I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson and I'm joined today by Adam Elliott and Martin Riley. Martin, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Um, I've started a new role at my work and so I've spent, spent the day being trained and just making notes so it's been a pretty chill day and i've just finished um some food which i had homemade burger and chips which was very tasty um had some very spicy peri peri sauce on on it as well which knocked my socks off a bit but i really enjoyed it at the same time how, how about you how are you yeah i'm very good yeah just um training for a half marathon at the moment so i ran eight miles after work today which was actually all Oof. right but i was I was knackered, so I had a fat portion of lasagna for my tea uh, to sort of refuel and plenty of garlic bread as well. And I'll just say <laughs> uh, congratulations on the new role, Martin. Well done. Thank you. Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, I haven't been doing any running myself, but I do have a little bit of a rash at the moment. And I know what you're thinking. And no, told her I have not been visiting Martin's mum. Not, not gone back to that <laughs> lately. Don't worry. Um, no, I, I'm sorry. It'll be fine. It's just been a couple of days. I've had a little bit of a rash, but otherwise I'm fine. And I had a, a really nice tea tonight. I made like this lentil stew. It was like loads of spices in it, and it was absolutely delicious. I had it with couscous, and yeah, I loved it. Very good. Oh, so it's nice teas all around by the sound, sound of it. And that's what that's what we like to hear. Cool. So we won't do the news. I think. If you've been listening now for, since the start of the season, you'll be know that we do the news in our review shows. Uh, this is the preview podcast, which will go out at different times, depending on if you're a patron or not. So we'll cover the news once a week in our review um, shows, and then um, we, yeah, we won't talk about the latest goings-on in this one. So we'll get on to the preview today. So we are here to, today to preview Kieran McKenna's East Bitch. <laughs> Uh, so we'll get in with the usual questions as possible. So we'll talk about the um, recent results and form of Ipswich first, and if anything's changed recently. So Martin, do you want to kick us off on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, so so far they've won all three of their games in the league. And yeah, so they've got off to a great start. Um, but um, even though they have won those games, a couple of them were pretty close. 
Um, I felt that they could easily have lost against QPR, who had two very good chances to score and were unlucky not to with one shot coming off both posts. And, and great. Yeah, it was fantastic shot. And another being put wide from point-blank range. And Ipswich didn't really create any big chances in that game, but they but did put away a half chance well, so they just got the win. Then against Sunderland, that was a pretty even contest, I say. It could have gone both ways. Um, but Sunderland, 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 they didn't convert <laughs> their chances well. Um, but I will say against Stoke, they did deserve the win in that one. Um, they dominated that game quite thoroughly. Um, nothing really changed off from their pretty solid team in, in the, the way they set up. It's pretty much similar, uh, but slight differences depending on opposition. But we'll get into that when we talk about that later. Yeah, I, to be honest, like I haven't watched a lot of. Well, I've I've watched one game of Ipswich this year, and I watched that Sunderland game. Actually, my reading of it, I thought they were pretty dominant in that game. To be honest, I think they could have easily. Be, they they were what two? They could have been away from Sunderland. Didn't they like nearly score from the halfway line as well? Yeah, like it was considering as what a team that made the playoffs in the championship last year against. I know like Ipswich aren't your usual promoted team that like the way they play, but I was I was like amazed at how dominant they were in that game. Um. But yeah, that's the only game I've watched. I didn't watch any of them in League One this year. I've not watched any of those two other games. So, I'm Well, you should probably go. know then that they're unbeaten for about 21 or 22 league games in a yeah, row. Yeah, I know now. that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get into the detail on Ipswich then. So, Adam, do you want to tell us how they set up in possession? So, yeah, they're uh, pretty possession-heavy, pretty dominant side, to be honest, with the ball. And that's what they like to do. Under Kieran McKenna, they, they became, essentially, even though they finished second in League One last season, they became like... The standout team by the end of the season, they would just went on this massive run, and they probably could have won the league if they'd had like another game or two to do it. They're, they're, yeah, they build up from the back. They can play a couple of different formations to do that. They sometimes switching mid game as well to do that as well. A lot of um, four two three one or three four three, but it's a lot of about um, sort of the wingers and the width is really important. So they play with wing backs sometimes, like I mentioned, but. They also play with two sort of wide forwards either side of the striker as well. Um, so that's a, a big part of what they do. And there's a lot of rotations in those areas, including a certain Leif Davis, who obviously used to play for Leeds, who was outstanding last season. Uh, I think he got like 13 or 14 assists in that system. So yeah, they're, they're pretty good in, in a lot of ways. They can hurt you in other ways. That they're, they're decent from set pieces as well. They've got good delivery. And yeah, it's just... But but I think when when you play them at their own game is when they're probably the most dangerous and that's probably why they've come into the championship and they've settled quite nicely because if you attack them they can play through you quite easily and uh, I think that's what we're seeing so far and maybe teams haven't sort of felt them out a little bit and, and in the early stages of the season this is what they're going to look like and, and that's why in at least two of the games so far they've looked particularly good I, I agree with you I thought they were really good for about 70 minutes against Sunderland it was only in the last sort of 20 that Sunderland really came to life and, and gave them a bit of a game which was obviously a bit of a surprise with the Sunderland being a, a team that's quite settled and you know a, a playoff team last season but it was which are, are one of the strongest sides that have come up from League One for a while in my opinion and they're probably a team that they're probably the best team we've played so far let's put it that way yeah I, th- I think that we did our uh, predictions didn't we in the season preview about like the first I don't know what comes first. I can't remember what the other one was, but a lost to a promoted team or something else. I can't remember what it was. Probably mm-hmm. knocked out the cup. Um, and I think this is the one that was circled, wasn't it? By I think Jacob in particular, but quite a few people as the one that is likely to worry us um, regarding to that question. Martin, do you want to talk to us about the out of possession uh, setup for Ipswich then? Yeah, sure. Uh, they are 
I'd say a very solid mid-block, um, but they do get their mm-hmm. midfield too, pushing quite high to cut down the time that opposition midfielders have on the ball. Um, they do have moments where they like to press <clears throat> a bit higher, especially in wide areas. I noticed they do like to press traps in wide spaces to try to win the ball. But generally, I wouldn't say they're not overly aggressive. Um, I'd probably say this pretty similar to our out-of-possession approach, where there is moments of uh, high pressing, but it isn't sustained. And... They are very clever at where, where they do press and when, where they look to win the ball, especially around um, the mi- midfield area, the middle of the pitch is where they do want to turn to steal the ball and quickly attack from there. Uh, so, yeah, they are very solid out of possession. I did, I did like what I saw from, from them, and they're comfortable with the other team having the ball and not being too worried about the possession that they do have against them. Uh, I think that showed in, in the game against Sunderland. I think you both mentioned that um, they were they attacked well and they did in that game. And, and I think in that game, Sunderland couldn't really do much, especially in the first half. They were they were trying to do it from moments of possession, but they weren't doing it. They did manage to break through on a few occasions um, in transition, but I think mostly Ipswich handled it well. And yeah, this should be a pretty tough team to break down and we'll have to be cautious about the way we approach our possession as well to make sure we don't give the ball away in transitional moments because they could really hurt us. With all that in mind then, Martin, where, where do you think they can be hurt? Uh, I think there was some things I did notice that there sometimes their, their line can be quite high at times and they do tend to leave space on the far side. So if the ball's on the right, there's generally space on the left, which is probably a similar thing to what, what we have at times. And I do think that that could be something which we could use to exploit Dan James's pace. Um, I did notice their right back is maybe a little bit weaker than the left back. I did notice that he was caught out a few times in the game against, um, was it Stoke, I think? Oh, no, no, Q- QPR, sorry. QPR, yeah. yeah, QPR, he made a pretty bad mistake in possession and just, I don't know what the pass was, he just passed <laughs> it straight, straight to one of their players. It just didn't look like it was going in anywhere near one of their own players. So I think that's the area where we should look to attack is um, the their right side. So it'd be another game of Dan James and Inshallah, I think, um, to try to get the most out of his pace and attack that side. And... Yeah, I think that's probably the, the biggest weakness I could say in the way they set up. Yeah, after after the game on Friday, I'm all, all aboard the, the Dan James redemption season now. <laughs> until I won't be after the next game, but yeah, I'm I'm on a, probably the highest I've ever been on Dan James at this point. So well, it's, it's the only downhill from from here. But yeah, if that's that sounds good to me, then Martin, um, Adam, where do you think they might hurt us, and where might we struggle? I think that they could. Def- I think this could be a quite transitional game in in. On honesty, because I think both teams are going to look to try and impose themselves on the game with the ball, especially because they're at home, and I think that's why it might become sort of a bit more counter-attacky for both sides. Um, the wingers and wing backs for them, and particularly attacking. I know that Davis um, is a fullback, and sometimes he will play there, but he will get forward a lot, and that is why I agree with Martin that that's an area for us to exploit. Now, if we had one or two of our really good you know wide players available maybe I'd feel quite confident about getting in at them in those areas but maybe not as much with who we have um so that's one area I would say um and in general I think some of their players are not the most sort of press resistant I don't I don't particularly love Sam Morsey I don't think he's an amazing midfielder their captain um I agree with Martin about Danassian I'm not sure he'll play but he's their sort of right back or right-sided centre-back um if he does, that's another potential weakness area as well to sort of press at and, and get at. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think for both sides, this could look quite um, sort of gung-ho if, if the ball keeps getting turned over in midfield and, and we're attacking each other as, as rest defences. So it might be um, one of those where it, it kind of comes down to how good your actual rest defence is and they're a pretty well-drilled unit these days. They've been pretty settled for a, for a while now with the, a similar lineup for a, pretty much a good six, seven months going back to last season and, and that sort of worries me a little bit because we obviously got quite a few new faces that have been added in or or players that we're just not quite sure about in terms of like our defenders like Luke Ayling and I think that he's a potential weak point. I think Leif Davis is going to have a lot of joy against him. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that'll go down well if Leif Davis has a field day against Luke Ayling. That, oh, you will. That won't send to him into spirals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Martin then, what, what players from Ipswich do you think we need to look out for? And as we say every week, this can be a good player or a bad player. Well, um, I think I've already mentioned the bad player, um, which would be their right back, Danassian. Um, and I think he is someone who we can target if he does play. Um, but since he did have a pretty poor game last time out, it wouldn't surprise me if he is brought out and someone else comes in. Um, but when it comes to good players, there's only one man who I looked at straight away, and that was Connor Chaplin. Um, he was their top scorer last season, scoring 26 goals from attacking midfield, which is pretty phenomenal um, at any level to score that many goals from attacking midfield and he, he scores a lot of different types of goals as well I saw um, he, he loves to arrive in the box late he can score from outside the box he scored free kicks headers tap-ins but I'd probably say he is most dangerous with um, getting onto pullbacks you know, and just inside the box and they do do that a lot in their play to try to get to the byline and pull back it's something which we haven't done in our game for since Bielsa's time and I, I do enjoy a good pullback so yeah, he's definitely the, the man who I think will be a most threat to us. Yeah, and I think uh, pullbacks as is like one of our sort of weak areas as well, isn't it? At, it is at, indeed under Fark. So it is. Yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> with, so a player like Chaplin, that is something that is a, a little bit concerning going into this game. Adam, what about you um, on this question? Uh, yeah, I agree about Chaplin. Um, kind of in that sort of second striker or like wide forward role he, he's excellent at sort of sniffing out little pockets to to get himself in either for cutbacks or or he's just good at he's one of those players where the ball just seems to drop to him and he just puts it in a lot of the time as well he's, he's got that knack for that but yeah I kind of touched on him but Leif Davis is probably going to be a big difference maker in this game and, and I do actually think and we'll get on to this in a second but he's probably going to play as a wing back um, not as a full back in, the, in this game I would assume um, and if that's the case because I think that's what they do more at home I might be wrong in saying that but I think that's what they do um if that's the case, he's just going to be attacking at Luke Ayling unless we, you know, sign a right back this week, which I don't think is that likely. And even if we did, I don't think they'd be straight in, would they, on, on Saturday? So I think that's a potential area where we're really going to struggle. And, you know, you got, yeah, I think I was had 13 or 14 assists last season in the league. Um, I think there's only two players in Europe with more than him, which were Messi and De Bruyne. Um, so, you know, he and he is a particular threat from not just open play, but set pieces as well. And, and I'm pretty scared. And they've got quite a lot of height in their defence. So there's a, quite a few ways they could hurt us. And he's one of the players that I'm, I'm most looking forward to kind of watching to see how he's developed since we played against it, uh, since he played for us, sorry. Um, but also kind of terrified of it at the same time. Yeah, it will be an interesting one. I, I do agree with you that I'm interested to see how Davis plays because he's, he's always one that I think people sort of throw out there as a name that like it's a player we should have kept or a player we should look to bring back because we're a left-back short. And it's like, you, you never actually know is he actually up to the level of what we need or not. So I'm definitely, regardless of the result, interested to see how he plays in this one and if, if he would he would have been up to it for us this season, uh, considering we've gone Martin. He'll probably play, he'll probably play very good. 
Yeah, very good, Davis. Yeah, very good, Davis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I, that that narrative and that you know that sort of talk kind of frustrated me last season, in particular because people were saying it when he was doing really well for Ipswich in League One, and we were struggling at the bottom end of the Premier League, and the gap is obviously quite big at that point. Obviously, now it's not so much. We're in the Championship, but last season there was a lot of lot of clamour for him to come back, and I was just like, this is far too soon to say. But we'll see how he's he's developed. Like I say, and like he probably is a championship level like a decent championship level fullback at this point yeah it's not Sam Barham though is he um, <laughs> <laughs> Adam then do you want to give us a predicted lineup for Ipswich yeah like I say they're quite settled at the moment so I don't think they're going to be too unchanged um, I do note that Danassian one of their weak points did get substituted off earlier I don't know if that was an injury but it was in the last game he got substituted off quite early um, but I assume it'll be Hladke in goal because Walton's still injured as far as I'm aware uh, with uh, a back three, I'm guessing, of Clark, who is a big upgrade on Danassian, Wolfenden and Burgess, with Wes Burns and Leif Davis as the two wing-backs, Morsi and Longo in central midfield, and then a front three, which will have Hurst at sort of the, the tip of it, and then Chaplin and Broadhead um, sort of floating around him, most likely. Um, and it is a pretty good team. Like the fact that this was their team in League One and it's now in the Championship, and it, it genuinely already looks at, at at least mid-table um, kind of tells you that they could be a, a team that surprises a few this season. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably the likely team. Martin, you you think the same? Yeah, the, like um, Adam said, the pretty settled. Last two games have been unchanged, but that would say that probably the only one that's likely to come out it would be the right back, the Nashian. But yeah, no advances on anything else really. Yeah, that's Ipswich all rounded up. Then I think we could, from sort of breaking that down, I can see why. The guys at not the top twenty were so big on it, which uh, with their in their predictions this year. Yeah, because continuity is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds like quite a sc- bit of a scary prospect, to be honest. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's talk about Leeds then. So, Martin, how do we predict Leeds will set up in possession for this game, uh, both structurally and tactically? And is there anything that they might do specifically to, to this game? 
Um, I don't think there'll be a massive amount of tactical difference. I think he's still, uh, Fark is still trying to get them to play the way he wants at times. So I think he'll be continuing to want to get that identity into them and continue playing in, in that same way. And that could well play into Ipswich's hands a bit because they do like to have teams who take, who do want to take the ball because they, they attack well, so well in transition. So I don't think there'll be anything too differently in possession for us. We'll still look to keep hold of the ball where we can. We're not going to suddenly allow them to have the ball. I can't see that happen at all. Um, so yeah, I think we will just continue with what we have been doing and hopefully do better at some parts of it and get the first win. Um, but it is going to be a tough prospect, this, so I'm not really holding out for that. I'm just going to spring this question on you a bit here, Martin, but because I guess in the games we've seen so far in the Championship, their uh, leads have probably struggled at like, creating chances against teams like Cardiff sat deep, Birmingham sat fairly deep. Um, West, I don't want to say West Brom sat particularly deep, but it's like, it was creating chances from like sort of more settled possession, wasn't it? Do you think with Ipswich playing the way they do that they, this might suit Leeds a little bit better? Quite possible. Um, that the, They will leave times when they can be attacked in transition. And QPR did exploit that at times. Uh, so I, I think it is definitely something which yeah, we should be able to take advantage of, with. Um, we've, I'm not sure if um, Somerville is anywhere close to being fit, but if, if he is fit enough, he would be great in this game, to be honest. But so will Dan James, to be honest, because <laughs> if, especially if he is as good as what he was um, in the last game, then that could be very good for him having more space to run into and it could also benefit Ruter as well because he's a player who does, doesn't does like to be surrounded and like, likes to play in space I mean what player doesn't like to play in space of course um, but there's obviously certain players who do do a lot better when the, when there's space than what they do when they are crowded so yeah I think it is quite possible that he could play to us but it's also something which Ipswich do well is hold on to the ball and bait, bait pressure, trying to create space. It's those, I don't like to say it too much because it's been overused recently, but the artificial transitions, which John may have coined. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very good at doing those as well. So it could work in our favour, could work against us. <laughs> it all depends how good we are with the ball to, to be able to manipulate them and not let them manipulate us. Yeah, I guess it'll depend on the lineup a bit as well, won't it? That question. Let's have, let's move on to our possession stuff then. So, um, Adam, same question as before. Um, how do you predict that Leeds will set up out of possession for this game, uh, both tr- structurally and tactically? And is there anything specific we might see to combat Ipswich? I, I think it's just going to be more of the same again. I hate to be boring, but I think Farker is still like finding his feet with this team and, and kind of like trying to instill his style of play, which means that we're not going to deviate too much from that in and out of possession. Um, so we're not going to be that aggressive, but it should still be quite mid-blocky and. I think that that's the thing that Martin touched on, though, that, that worries me a bit. If we do look for those sort of like moments where we can press them, they're quite good at baiting that and then playing out of it and around it and and using that sort of like wide rotation and, and a centre back coming forward to support a wing back or, or a winger. Um, I think they're good at that, and that's where I'm a little bit worried. So, yeah, um, I just hope that there are a few moments where we do catch them out and we can spring a transition because if we can, I think that that's that's definitely one of the best ways we could score. Um, but yeah, I don't think it'll look too different from what we've seen already. Uh, it's just that it might be a bit more mid-blocky for both teams. It might be a little bit more of a, a midfield bl- battle sort of like that rather than in a quite a few of our games so far, as you kind of touched on there, Toldo. Um, teams have sat a bit, bit deeper. I don't think Ipswich will do that. I think they'll try and, and like play their own way. I don't think they're going to just say, oh, you know, this is Leeds. We've got 
you know, we're playing Leeds United. There's Leeds United we're talking about. It's not going to be like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're, <laughs> they're gonna probably play just as they always would, and and maybe that'll suit us in terms of our possession game. But our possession, I don't think it, it'll matter too much. Yeah, I, th- I think so far this season that the our possession stuff I've actually been fairly positive on. So I think if that stays as it was, I would I'd quite happily sort of trust that. Yeah. To to main uh, to sort of see it switch, but well not see it switch off for like reduce their chances uh, more than I trust the the in possession stuff at the moment to create chances. So yeah, that remains the same. I'm quite happy with that. Martin, do you see that the same way? Yeah, I, I can't really say that anything different to Adam there has covered it quite well. Cool. So let's talk about uh, specific players then. So. Adam, I'll come to you first on this one. Is there a player you can see having a big impact on this game from Leeds? There's a couple, but I think I'll leave Martin to touch on some of them if he wants, because he talked about him if he's fit, or, or Ruter or James, or one of the, one of our wide players, essentially. But um, one of the ones I think is Ampadu. I think he's going to have to have a really, really good game here um, for a couple of reasons. I think, first of all, he's going to have to make sure that with the rest of he's picking up Conor Chaplin when he's finding like those pockets to sort of make things happen. Um, he's going to have to be snapping away at him. Um, and then also when we do have a chance to press a little bit higher up, I think he needs to be all over. I think I mentioned Sam Morsey earlier on. Um, I think he's potentially a weak point in their in their midfield. I don't think he's the most press resistant midfielder ever. And if he can and can get at him, and he's he's proved so far on Purdue that he's particularly adept at like sort of hooking his leg round or like just snapping it off someone really really quickly without them sort of having time to react to it. And if he can have a couple moments like that, then we can force a turnover and and transition. I think that could be a a really important way for us to score. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the wide players that we've got, depends who we have, but if, if we can get past their their press or we can, you know, beat one of their fullbacks or, or wingbacks, um, then I think that's a, a particularly good way. We could drag a centre-back out with, with James, maybe attacking the byline or, um, you know, Ruter or, or Somerville or whatever. So so there's a few players, but yeah, I would probably say Ampadu's got to have a good game. And so far, he probably has. He's probably been our best player this season so far. Yep, I'd agree with that on Ampadu. I think he's been very good so far. Martin, what about you on players that you think have had a big impact on the outcome of this game? Uh, Pascal Strauch, uh, that's my man. Uh, I think he will be key in making sure that they don't take advantage, especially in transitional moments, with the way he is um, more passive than Roden in attacking um, atta- attackers. I think that will be really help, really good to, if he continues with the way he's been, both in and out of possession. He's just been so so very important to us, but as as ever with the big sexy pirate, um, it's so understated, and it's not these big blockbuster tackles that he, that he's doing well. It's just all the the other things, nudging players off the ball, and just taking the ball off them easily rather than having to, to dive into it. Um, his progressive passing has been fantastic uh, so far. He's been constantly finding. Um, the player on the left side, which has been Dan James, and so he's yeah, I think I can't rave enough about him at the moment. He's been very good, and I think a big part of how well we'll do is whether he can keep that up. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I've, I've really liked Strauch so far this year. I think I saw a stat today, something, it was average progressive, might have just been progressive distance, but it was definitely progressive something carries or passing a while, and I think he's highest in the championship so far this year. Um, that doesn't surprise I'll, me. Yeah, I'll try and find the start, but it's he's definitely progressing it somehow very well. He's um, also one of the highest for general passing as well, like volume. Like he's one of the he's had some of the most like passes completed in the entire division of any player, which again is not surprising based on how he started. Yeah, no, it's like it's nice, it's nice to see a bit of the old Pascal Stroit back, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, none of you, neither of you said a bad player, and I'm, so I'm going to throw you the hospital pass, Adam. Um, you <sighs> mentioned earlier Luke Ayling in this, uh, and like he's obviously been very much one of the focus points of people, um, of fans, with how he's played this year and like the spacing behind him, which is partially his weakness, partially the part of the system, but. Just could you just sort of touch on like how you sort of see this going for him? Because you, you did mention that you think Leaf Davis might have his number in this one. Yeah, I think I think this could actually be true of both our fullbacks um, for different reasons. I think Davis just because he's the quality difference between him and Ailing and the pace difference, he'll just get by him all the time. And he'll be whipping crosses in whenever he can really. And and Ailing has struggled this season. Like in terms of in possession, I think he's been fine. And, and I think I'm quite outspoken about him in terms of what he can do with the ball. And I think that's why I would like to see him as a right sided centre back at some point maybe this season if there is an injury crisis in that area because. I think he's probably one of the best options we have um, and his progression of, of the ball is much better in that that sort of space but he's not really that good at the high and wide stuff that Farker wants him to do because essentially he doesn't have the sort of recovery speed to get back and that's why I think Davis could easily get by him and even, even one of their wide forwards like Broadhead if he pulls out to that side that he could cause him a lot of issues as well um, but even Byram on the other side I'm, I'm a little bit worried about because essentially because Byram's defending on his wrong foot um, Wes Burns is very much a, a winger that likes to get to the byline to cross the ball um, with his right foot he's not an inverted winger at all um, and Byram is then going to be sort of like defending against him and tackling on him from his left foot and I think that could ten- potentially also be an issue so basically both the fullbacks might have a little bit of a problem this game I'm, I'm more worried about Ailing, but I am still a little bit concerned about Byram too um, so yeah I, I don't think the particular either of them are particularly great at like backwards defending and, and recovering towards their own goal Byram's significantly better but he's not amazing at it. but Ailing is, is particularly weak in that regard and, and if they can get overloads and you know two players doubling upon him on that side then they could definitely have a lot of fun and a lot of joy on the, on that side of our, of our pitch Let's start talking about the predicted lineup for Leeds then so um, you took the first one Adam so I'm going to give this one to Martin how do you think Leeds um, will line up well, I'm hoping that Somerville uh, is back, um, but it may be a little bit too soon for him. Um, so if he's back, I, I would imagine he will come in, and I would imagine it will be for Joffe, because I th- I've got a feeling he may have picked up an injury, because he was holding his shoulder um, when he came off the pitch. And it's Leeds United, and that's how Leeds Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We can't have a game go by without an injury happening, so he has to be injured now. That's the law. Um, but yes... We don't really have many other options unless we see more players coming in before the game, and chances are they probably won't have had time to train much, so they may not even start if we if we do bring anyone in. So I can't see the lineup being too different. Um, I'm not sure how how bad Pervader's knock was. Um, it's possible that he can come in for, for Joffe if he if he is fit. If he's not, <laughs> really not sure who's going to play on the play instead of Joffe if he is injured. I don't know. Cal Dallow, see him. <laughs> playing as 10 um, but yeah we just need to get some players in and I'm hoping that happens in the next few days to put my mind at ease because it just needs to happen soon doesn't it yeah absolutely uh, Adam guessing the same yeah um, I think so I think I think the defence and defensive midfielders are quite settled at the moment aren't they um, and if anyone's listening and they're listening to this on Thursday or Friday and you tell us that we're stupid because we've missed out players that are back, we record this earlier in the week, so we don't know yet. Um, uh, yeah, it's just the way we do it. So they might might well have some, some you know, we might have some good luck and there might be some players back. But yeah, I think the attack, hopefully, if everyone is fit that we're aware of, could look something like Somerville on the right, James on the left, 
Perveda in the 10 and Rutero up front. I think that's maybe the best that we've got right now, but we'll have to wait and see. I think some of them mentioned as three weeks. I haven't heard an update it since they got long. it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was, but it wasn't long. So I guess it's like four or three weeks since the Cardiff game, so you might see him on the bench, maybe. I don't, know. I don't know if we've had a concrete update, haven't we, since he actually got the knock. Martin, if in a theoretical world where we have a striker fit for this game that isn't Rutter, where would you what what would you see the lineup be differently? So if we had, say, Bamford, who was available to play up front. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the if we, if we had all of our strikers available, then I would say Bamford obviously would start up front. And with the current players who we've got available besides strikers, I would probably say Ruter probably suits playing either as a right winger or an attacking midfielder in this system over, over a striker. I think with... A lot more time he could become a striker in this system. Um, it's just going to take him a lot of adaptation, and that's not something we have the luxury to wait around for. And considering he will be quite effective as a wide man in Fark's system, um, it just seemed natural to me to do that and move him to there because it's quite similar to what he's already been used to playing. He's mainly played as a second striker in a two up top system. So in in those sort of systems, they, the striker will generally play quite quite wide anyway, and look to attack the half spaces often, and that's what he's used to, either playing on on the left of the front two or on the right of the front two. Either way, he's been most effective um, attacking space in in wide areas, and that's why you see him so often go into the, these wide spaces because that's where he's comfortable. So I think that's something which will definitely happen once we do get a fit striker in. If we get a fit striker in. Yes, if we get a fit striker. East Leeds, we're not, we're not allowed to have too many fit players. No, especially not a fit striker. Um, let's talk about the game in general then. So, Adam, what do you expect watching this game of football will look like? I think that both teams will try to sort of impose themselves on the game in possession and, and play their own way. And that might make the game quite sort of transitional and, and a lot of turnovers in the middle of the park. Um, that's my my worry that it could look a bit ugly in that sense. But at the same time, I think both teams have enough like in possession quality that I think we'll see at least a couple for both sides, like a couple of really nice moves and, um, in possession where, where a neat little passing sort of, sequences put together and, and we build the, our way into the final third and, and they do the same um, but yeah I think in, in general it might be that the that the game becomes a little bit too counter-attacky for our liking but I don't think that's going to happen too often this season I just think it was such a one of those teams where they're really well drilled and well organised and well settled now into into Kieran McKenna's style of play and, and they know what they're doing do, do you see Leeds getting drawn into that sort of transitional battle like because I think I, I've, I mean this kind of sort of links quite loosely to like Melier not passing the ball out quickly, like and people complain about that. But do you think Leeds would like would fall into that sort of transitional battle, or do you think they'd, they'd try and have like a settled settled possession more more if they can? I think if we had another like midfielder that can get their foot on the ball a little bit more often, um, maybe in front of Gray and Ampadu, it, I wouldn't say that we would look to play in transition too often. But given the forwards that we have available to us right now and 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 the wide players and all of that, I think it makes sense to make that make the game a little bit more like that. And I think we've seen in the first few games that actually even though teams are sat deep on us, that a few of our best moments have actually come in like transition. So. I think it'll still happen, just maybe not like super frequently. It's just that I think it could be could be more than it has been in recent games. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Martin, then uh, same question. What do you expect this game of football to look like? Uh, pretty similar to, to what Adam said there, but I do think maybe we will probably have more of the ball. I think just because we do have quite good quality in, in our defence, um, at least for, for, for keeping hold of the ball, and we have shown that in, in these last few games. Um, I think West Brom tried to turn it a bit more transitional, and it didn't really happen because we were being patient with the ball. And I think especially in the first half, I think we'll probably will keep it that, that way and not rush things too much. And But I think as, as the game goes on, we probably will be lulled into those transitional attacks more and more. And I think the longer the game goes without us scoring, the more likely the Ipswich are to score. So it's so important for us to get the first goal, as that um, cliche in football always is. But it's true, uh, the first goal does matter a lot. And it would be nice to score one. Yeah, we haven't yet this year, have we? So yeah, that would be nice. In fact, we've probably not done it for a while. Um, where will this game be won or lost then, Martin? I think it will be whoever is able to make the most of their in-possession play and not give away moments to the opposition. Um, like if we if we are able to do, to do what we, we need to do in possession to create chances, then and not give away the ball in transitional moments, that will be massive in determining how this game goes. And if we can do that sooner rather than later, then it would should be even better for us. And, and for Ipswich, it'll be won by, if they do manage to keep hold of the ball and lull us further forward to press them more, so they've got more space to attack in. So it's a bit of a different battle for both sides, in my opinion. I think one one side's looking to get to draw the opposition onto them, where the other side is just wanting to keep hold of the ball and try to play around the opposition. So it's going to be it's going to be very a very interesting game. I'm quite looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to this game. Just I've, like regardless of what happens, I think it'll be an in, an interesting game to watch. Adam, then final say to you: Where do you think this game will be won or lost? Pretty much the same. Um, if we can get our foot on the ball and impose ourselves in midfield, that that would be good. Um, if not, it could become a bit scrappy in the middle of the pitch, but I think that suits them a bit more than us and, and they might just look to hit us over our full-backs or around our full-backs and, and get in with their, their wingers and wing-backs. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it as well. I think this might be a little bit of a stronger spectacle than what we've seen so far in terms of like the quality of the um, the players and, and them trying to, you know, actually have more of a go at us than the other three teams that we've played so far have so yeah we'll see um it, it, i think it also like comes down to transitions mostly um can either team get one of those moments because that's that's a big thing for both of us yeah like with, with respect to cardiff birmingham or west brom i don't i don't see any of them being above mid-table whereas like this is the first genuine playoff to well the playoff contender that i think we're playing this season so it will be interesting i think it's always nice to see sort of how, if you struggle more against or if you play better against better teams or play better against worse teams because it's, it can have quite a big effect over the season. Good stuff. I think that's us done talking about Ipswich then, unless anybody's got anything else they want to add. Nope. Oh, good. So um, if you've signed up to the Patreon already, then thank you very much. We really appreciate your support. And if not, and you, you like our content and you would like a little bit more of that in the form of articles or, or other, we're planning to put a few more podcasts out on there, then you can find more information on patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. We will be back next week with a review of the Ipswich game and we will be previewing the Sheffield Wednesday game. We're planning to get another opposition preview in for that one as well. So if you liked the guy from West Brom, then we're planning to do that again and hopefully get that 
um, to be a more regular feature if possible. But until then, I'll say thank you very much to Adam. Thank you very much, mate. No worries. Thank you to Martin. And thank you too. Thank you everyone for listening and enjoy the game. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 